Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe. On the Advertising Show, which are being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production, and a lady with a wonderful last name. Her, her first name is good, too, though, Brad, as well. Uh, Jean Bliss. Isn't that mm -hmm. great? Yeah. And if you're going to name a company after yourself, call it Jean. No, call it Bliss. <laughs> Uh, she, she she runs Customer Bliss and has a new book out, too. Her book is called Chief Customer Officer, uh, Getting Past Lip Service to Passionate Action. That sounds like a uh, romance novel or something, doesn't it? Right. A little bit like that. So we've got Gene here for uh, three segments of the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. also have uh, Patrick Meyer here. Uh, momentarily, the World Cup is over. And um, somebody actually headbutted Patrick, so he's a little bit ticked off at this point in time. Mm -hmm. But uh, he'll talk about the World Cup and what went on there, and also Jeffrey Ginnimer. Uh, what does it take to be a success? A lot of people don't know that. They might uh, think they do, but they don't. So uh, Jeffrey has insight in that uh, later on uh, this hour. At theadvertisingshow.com with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. How are you doing today? Well, doing great. Did you say uh, Patrick's the leadoff hitter, and then we're going to wrap it up with uh, Jeffrey? That's the fact. Yeah, well, after uh, Gene being on, talking about, it sounded like you said cheap customer officer. You meant chief, didn't you? Chief or cheap. That's fine. That's <laughs> well, fine. Yeah. Hey, C you know. CEO is fine. That's true. The, the you know, I'm going to hold this other, well, no, I'm not going to hold it. The, this is unbelievable, Ray. Uh, okay. British uh, Broadcasting Channel 4 uh, is uh, set to air a masturbate-a-thon. Uh, they're going to be doing this soon. It's a 60-minute film. Put that down. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 60-minute film, Ray, of the event will be, which will be aired uh, during a week-long series of programs on Channel 4 called Wank Week. Right. The, the um, this is real stuff. The master uh, the master bait a thon involves people gathering together, okay. as you would think, in a hall to do that thing yeah. uh, in in public. Now, this is the cool part. In order to raise money through sponsorship for a charity. Jeez, oh now listen to this. That's the event, well, low. the event to take place in London on August fifth. So set your uh, TiVos, uh, and uh, is being put on by San Francisco-based Center for Sex and Culture. Don't know how much culture there is there. Right, right. Uh, exactly. Which, which is funny about this, Ray Andrew McKenzie, who is Channel 4's factual entertainment commissioner of events, yeah. basically said that it is following the tremendous success of Penis Week. <laughs> we feel that this is exactly the type of programming we should have on Channel 4 and should be covered during the 11 p.m. Right. time slot. Okay. I mean, you this, can't make this stuff up. No. And this is in the United Kingdom? Is that what you're saying? This is in the U.K., broad, uh, British broadcaster Channel 4. So. And did you know that in the United Kingdom, they, actually Jerry Springer's show is before a court right now, and they're trying to, uh, to uh, get him off the air because of his tasteless programming they say hmm. so what you're telling me is that's okay but this isn't <laughs> well you gotta be kidding that that is weird uh, you know of all of all countries i always you know felt uh, the uk was always on top of things more, with regard exactly. to freedom and yeah. so forth so how interesting here's something yeah. that'll get you out of the mood real quick hmm. barry manilow 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, loud Barry Manilow music used to drive away late-night re- uh, revelers from a suburban Sydney Park. There's another side of the world getting on the nerves of nearby residents. Probably so. In a move reminiscent of the uh, U.S. efforts, uh, Manuel Noriega, uh, the Vatican Assembly, he was uh, taken refuge in there in, mm-hmm. back in the 80s. Right. Uh, and they played, uh, let's see, high-volume what is it? They they started a six-month trial of high-volume hits by Barry Manilow and Doris Day to chase away car enthusiasts who were gathering on weekend nights at a place called Cook Park Reserve. Barry's our secret weapon. Uh, they say four weeks after the start of the effort, it seems to be working. Some people living near the park are less than happy about that. They say the barrage of Copacabana could have be magic. <laughs> Quesera, sera, blasting 9 to midnight every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is driving them crazy. It sounds like some radio stations that I've actually listened to before. So, uh, Well, and, and, and by the way, Noriega is now in uh, Florida, as you well know. He's in a penitentiary there. That's right. And he's found Jesus. Of course, in a penitentiary in Miami, Jesus is in about every third cell. His name's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, that's right. I forgot they did send him to uh, Miami. He's yeah, he's still living on he's South Beach in a padded cell. George uh, Hugh, George H. Uh, put him there. Yes, exactly. Yes. At the Fountain Blue. <laughs> <laughs> which is a great yeah. hotel, by the way. Uh, that's funny. Um, you know, let, let's do this. Let's bring Patrick on here right now. Uh, it's it's a thing about the World Cup. Did you watch the World Cup, Brad? Not really. Okay. I saw the, the headbutt number, numerous times. You, but you no. saw the headbutt in, as a recap, but not as an actual thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my neighbors watch the World Cup. Okay, Here, here's Patrick Meyer at the Advertising Show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. As the entire world has World Cup fever, there's some interesting things I want to share with you. What I call the good, the bad, and the ugly of the World Cup. Let's start with the good, actually the brilliant. Marketing by Adidas. They came at it in a way that was so totally different. A singular insight that you can be a member of your own dream team. They took it into a campaign that was called 1 plus 10. At the cornerstone was an ad campaign with two little boys picking out their dream team. They then carried that all across worldwide. Things like you fly into Germany and on the baggage carousels, there's the World Cup wrapped in brown paper going around on the carousel. That, my friends, is just the beginning of brilliant marketing by Adidas. Now let's talk about the bad and the ugly. American brands going in and buying their way into the World Cup. I'm talking about Budweiser and McDonald's buying the rights to be the official beer. There's something wrong when you're an international visitor or a German fan walking into a stadium and seeing Budweiser as the only beer that's being served. It caused a lot of flack. People had to drink Budweiser American beer in a Munich stadium. That also included McDonald's serving their food. My friends, here's what I ask you to do. Number one, Find the insight, the emotional component that sets up a whole different idea. Number two, build a creative idea that's compelling and inspiring. And number three, extend it across all your marketing elements that are appropriate, including new media and new ways of thinking and publicity and PR. And then finally, have the courage to come at it a whole different way and cut across the grain. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. Oh, yeah, we probably ought to talk right now. Yeah. That's the advertising show, Ray Schillen's Brad Forsyth, and uh, Gene Bliss is our special guest out of Seattle, actually out of Redmond, on some lake there. 
uh, this weekend, and we'll talk to Jean about that. She has a new book. Her, it's uh, a chief customer officer. Do you get that? Getting past lip service to passionate action. So we're looking forward to that. This past yeah. week, Brad, I saw mm-hmm. Letterman was talking about something, and I've also seen this from uh, the L.A. Times. The CBS has reached a new interesting point of advertising themselves. They found a new media, and it's not digital. It's not high def. It's not. Uh, it's not. Um, the internet, or it's not telephones. Can you guess what it is? Hmm. Eggs. Hmm. Yes. <laughs> CBS uh, this fall plans to stamp 35 million eggs with laser images of its logo and uh, put filled, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what pun-filled qu- quips for, for its shows, including Crack the Case on CBS, uh, CSI, and The Funny Side Up in its Monday night comedy lineup. That's going to be, and that's kind of cool. What do you think hmm. about that? Well, it's a good idea. When I eggs. eat eggs, it's going to be out. So my the the guy behind the uh, in the kitchen will see that, but I'll never see it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, maybe he'll tell you about the shows then, Brad. I don't know. Thirty-five yeah. million eggs. I think it's a great idea. I think it is really a good cool. idea. Gene Bliss in just a moment here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe on the Advertising Show. We hope you stay with us. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Stronger than dirt. That's what we use to clean up the mess with after the show, Brad. Ajax, right? Mm. On the Advertising Show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, our special guest. Let me tell you about Gene Bliss out of uh, Redmond, right? I hope it is. 25 years on the job driving customer focus and profitability inside five large U.S. corporate machines. Gene reported to the founder of Land's End, the Land's End Customer Experience. She also served for the Allstate Corporation. She was in good hands as its officer for customer satisfaction and retention. She was senior VP at the franchise services for Coldwell Banker. There's another big one, and general manager for worldwide customer and partner loyalty for Microsoft Corporation. In her spare time, she was also a senior manager of uh, customer satisfaction for Mazda Corporation. So what did you, like, stay at these jobs for, like, a year or something like that? Well, that was 25 years. Okay. Mm. That's still, uh, it sounds more like a radio job. And she now has a book uh, called uh, Chief Customer Officer, uh, Getting Past Lip Service to Passionate Action. If nothing else, the uh, title will get your attention there, Gene. Welcome to the Advertising Show. It's great to have you here. Well, thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, and uh, we should mention, Ray, that uh, Jean's house backs up to uh, Bill Gates' house right there in Redmond, and uh, she's on the uh, upper up, well, the upper east side of the lake. Well, we'll get into that later. Uh, l- let's jump into uh, your book here, Jean, and an outstanding read, and I-, I recommend it for not only anyone in the sales uh, industry, but my goodness, if you're in business, you're in sales of some, of some sort. So it's a, it's a great book and uh, highly recommended from uh, both Ray and my. Uh, point of view. Describe, if you would, the central hypothesis of your book, Jane. The central hypothesis is about the fact that the corporate machine, as I call it, is a dysfunctional beast. And in order to deliver a cohesive and good experience to customers, one that they'd actually want to have again, corporations don't know how to live well inside of the sandbox. And there's a bunch of reasons why that happens, largely um, the fact that organizations don't drive metrics toward a unified customer experience, don't motivate, and don't know how to work together. And so the book says, look, do you know what's broken inside your machine? Do you know why it's hurting customer experiences, and do you have a way to solve it? 
You know, why, why do you think it takes so much uh, effort to get a company to focus on customer service as a source of revenue, Gene? Well, you know, the silos are driving the way companies operate today. Anybody who lives inside a corporate America knows that marketing does their own thing separately, sales does their own thing separately, operations does their own se- thing separately, and each of those silos have metrics, but they're their own metrics around the operation of that vertical and customers kind of fall in between the handoffs to those silos i call it the customer bermuda triangle and it's just not seen as a priority of the business because businesses typically are quarterly inclined and sales focused and they don't recognize that there's a way to count customers to attach that to profitability you know so that we uh, do get a sense for your book uh, in terms of who you're targeting for this Mm -hmm. book who, who who should read your book gene three categories of people who who should take a look at the book. The first is the CEO, who for years on end has said the customers are the focus of their business, but doesn't see anything dramatically occurring to make that really change in their organization. The second are the leaders of the silos themselves. Let's say marketing has all of the data on customers and really knows that profitability in certain segments is eroding and wants to do something about it, but can't quite get sales and operations to line up and work for them and with them. And the third one is what I call the brave customer zealot, the people who have had the job like mine where the CEO has nodded to them, checked the word customer off their list and said, you go handle this thing. I'm going to focus on it, but through you. You know, uh, the VP of customer, whatever. Yeah. Uh, And and do many companies have a a person nowadays in charge of uh, customer uh, satisfaction or customer service, if you will? You know, what happens is the the VP of marketing or VP of service are typically the two pain points in an organization. Marketing, because that's where the data comes and they're, they're running and crunching the numbers and see the erosion, as I mentioned earlier. And service, because that's the that's the place where all the complaints come. What what happens largely is one or both of them start pressing the president or CEO to make some changes, and the CEO, CEO will say, okay, go do that in addition to what you're already doing. And so it may be layered on to somebody's job, but they don't have enough time, focus, or resources to really do it in a, in a good way. Hmm. So it becomes frustrating and very, ultimately very fails. Very, yeah. Well, and, you know, it's, I guess it's always, uh, it really is a standout when a company is smart enough to have a, a person solely in charge of that. And so often you do see it's uh, it's laid on to an additional responsibility of an existing, uh, an executive, executive. But yet, you know, so often, I mean, whose responsibility ultimately is customer satisfaction? Uh, it's not necessarily marketing. It's not necessarily the uh, sales end. I mean, aren't there, there's a lot of uh, responsibility to go around for this. Isn't there? Absolutely, and what happens is the CEO is in a, it creates a vulnerability for his organ, his or her organization because this isn't something that that a mantra can be shot into the air and say everybody go focus on the customer. Well, when when the then the shout is everybody focus, you know what happens? Right. Nobody truly focuses, right. and. The CEO may also have this flawed sense of confidence that a lot of things are happening because what 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 occurs, I've seen this in lots of corporations, is, okay, then everybody goes out and starts to hire vendors, and you've got all these lists of actions and tactics and programs with the word customer in them. And so the CEO thinks, oh, everybody's taking action, but guess what? None of those things don't knit together. Mm-hmm. So if you're in an insurance business, for example, they're not really aggregating to fix the problems with the claim experience. 
You know, you, you mentioned uh, the CEO and the, the need for commitment at that level. Have you ever seen a situation with a corporation where the CEO is really not committed to uh, its customers, but yet uh, a lower-level executive at the C-level takes the responsibility and can actually carry that through, or does it really require the CEO to be uh, committed to that? Well, you know, I, I've seen it happen where it can happen at a, at a C-level, and and when that occurs, what typically happens is you've got someone like a, a VP of service or operations, I've seen it even led from finance, where they're highly respected and have gained the alignment of their peers and therefore are able to do the tough work of crossing the silos and engaging people. And so they're, they're a partnership creator. And in that, they can almost bring the CEO along. Um, there's an organization I was doing some work with recently where there was enough sea change from the, the, that level of uh, VPs just under the, the uh, CEO that they actually created the impetus for change. And then the CEO jumped on the bad wa- bandwagon after he saw that there was enough people committed to it and driving it forward. It's interesting. Hmm. You know, the dynamics of organization are really what are the most impactful on this journey. I can, I can, that sounds surprising to me because I could see a CEO being never able to change or uh, change direction. You know, you would think that if it's at the top, it's just going to be bad, and nothing can be done to fix it. Well, and, you know, in this case, the, the people actually made progress in spite of the CEO. Mm. And that was, you know, if you've got marketing and operations and sales willing to work together, which is interesting because, yeah. again, it, there's this weird competition that goes on between the silos, right? Hmm. But if they're willing to work together and start aligning their metrics to, for example, creating a new customer experience where they have shared metrics instead of their individual silo metrics, and they can show to the CEO that they are creating more stickiness in a new customer and getting them to buy more over a longer period of time and become profitable, then that CEO is going to get religion eventually, even though it won't be his or her idea. It also helps sometimes when you kick it back to the CEO and give him credit for doing it. No, of course. <laughs> of course. Brown yeah, noser. Right? we got to do the dance, right? We've all learned to dance pretty well. Exactly. And, yeah, and, you know, for those, uh, for those listeners that aren't working at the, at the large corporation mm-hmm. level or maybe on the agency side, it's not so surprising when, uh, and such a disconnect when marketing and sales are really truly uh, not working in concert with one another in our silos, as you described. You know, when Ray was reading your bio, uh, he mentioned that you were chief officer for customer satisfaction and retention for Allstate. Yep. Uh, you know, and when it comes to insurance companies, they aren't normally what you would view as being... Customer-friendly? Uh, well, I Can would say customers aren't accustomed to being in good hands, if you will. So I'm curious, when you worked for uh, Allstate, how did you overcome this what? built-in negative view? And we're going to talk about that. We would be probably doing uh, that after the break. Next segment, yes. Customerbliss.com, is that your website? Yes, it is. Very good. I I didn't see that here, and I wanted to make sure we got that in as well. So So, uh, we're going to continue our conversation with Jean Bliss. Her uh, book is Chief Customer Officer, Getting Past Lip Service to Passionate Action. We'll be back in just a minute with more on The Advertising Show. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. You worked too hard, you ate too much, the cheesecake made you greedy, but you're aching head and stomach here, this message from Old Speedy. Alka-Seltzer Plot. 
Gene Bliss is our special guest on the advertising show. Gene, out of uh, Washington, the book is called Chief Customer Officer, Getting Past Lip Service to Passionate Action. Also uh, runs uh, Customer Bliss at uh, customerbliss.com. Gene, in a very uh, beautiful part of the uh, the country this weekend, welcome back to the advertising show. Oh, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, and uh, maybe not Alka-Seltzer, but Rolaids uh, would have been a handy uh, product mm-hmm. to have when you worked for Allstate, Gene. And before the break, and we ran out of time, uh, we were talking about as you, your uh, former role as Chief Officer of Customer Satisfaction Retention for Allstate. Gene actually, by the way, said she has Geico, okay? <laughs> well, oh, good. No, she has a – well, that, that's not very nice. You know, and, and as we mentioned before, uh, insurance companies, it's no secret, aren't normally viewed by their customers as, as being, you know, all that – uh, well taken care of. And I'm curious, when you worked in the insurance industry, how did you overcome the built-in negative view customers tend to have with insurance companies? Well, that's a good one. You're exactly right. Customer satisfaction in insurance is typically considered an oxymoron. <laughs> yeah. um, but I was fortunate because I was hired in and reported directly to uh, the president of the personal lines company at the time, which was about 98% of the business. And because of that, I was able to uh, do a couple things. First, command attention at at every month he had a meeting of his direct reports and so i sat at the table and the customer agenda was always on the was always on the agenda and i started actually by recording the complaints from the call centers which reported to me and would play back to them customers talking about their experiences and from there we were able to actually backwards engineer the policies, decisions, and other things that we had made Hmm. down the silos, which landed in a heap in the customer's lap and, you know, had customers at some point in time saying, you know, look, I'm not trying to take your money, I just want to get my fender fixed. Hmm. You know, and and Hmm. so we were able to get real engagement. The other thing that happened was because I reported to the CEO, what kicked in is what I call the, the Tom Sawyer formula, which is I talk about this in my book. Do you remember that uh, bit of craftsmanship that um, uh, Mark Twain did when he talked about Tom Sawyer f- painting that fence? Mm-hmm. I right, believe so, right. yes. Tom Sawyer was painting the fence. His pale buck Ben Sherman walked past, was laughing at him, um, and said, you know, why do you have to paint? Ha-ha, you have to paint a fence. It's this nice, warm summer afternoon. And Tom Sawyer went on to say, look, I am doing this at the behest of Aunt Polly, who was revered throughout the neighborhood as the person to please. Well, my Aunt Polly was that president of that insurance company. And so when I marched into these different operating areas and asked them to engage with me, they knew it was at the behest of my Aunt Polly. (laughs) And therefore, when there was glory to be handed out, I stepped to the back of the room, checked my ego at the door, and let these VPs present the great things they had done for customers. And there the tide starts to turn. You know, it was uh, it's such a brilliant idea, not so much just getting uh, real-world customer feedback and being able to leverage that back to uh, the powers-to-be that, that, uh, in order to get things changed. But more importantly, Gene, I think what you really came up with was a great idea to keep your opinions and personality out of it and basically, you know, got some actionable data there to be able to create some change. And I think there's a lot to be uh, learned from that, that brilliant lesson of yours. Let's shift gears here for a second. How does a company distinguish between its customer relationships, Gene, and its customer service, or are they both the same thing? When you say customer relationships, you're talking about the trending of your profitable customers and understanding how long they, they're they with you, that kind of yeah, thing? What's known as CRM today, correct? CRM, okay. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of tangle of the, the terminology out there. 
Um, I tend to gravitate toward the word customer experience because it's really, as an organization, understanding that customers have stages in their interactions with you and creating a, a clear definition of those stages and then down to even the contact points, which I call moments of truth. Because if a company isn't, for example, identifying the stages of the experience consistently across the organization, how do you know everybody's delivering against the same experience and delivering against the same yeah. operational standards? <laughs> and that, to me, is the relationship. That's the nut. And right. service, service is a misnomer for all of that. People look at customer service or look at the customer service department and say, oh, that's the part about the customer. Well, the customer only falls to customer service when there's problems that occur in the execution of that experience. <laughs> What about the sense? what about this what about the Lands End sale? Is there did you see any difference there now between uh, when they were solely owned by Lands End and now part of Sears? Well, you know, as far as the customer experience is concerned, it still looks pretty seamless and uh, robust and uh, which is important, right? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. As you build a customer experience or that relationship that you refer to, the first thing that you need to do is get past delivering that defaulted experience, which is the result of the silos doing their own thing, and get to reliability. And, and that's what we did really well at Land's End. For example, we knew that 98% of the time the call was answered on the second ring. Hmm. That gave us the right to go to that differentiated, emotionally connecting experience where we started tossing the pixie dust out there. For example, you know, shipped out boxes with the head and the sheep of a of a cow and a, a head and the tail of a cow and a sheep and a horse. So we had kids all over America riding lands and boxes around their house. <laughs> what a great idea. That is interesting. And, you know, we have, what, uh, 45 seconds left here, Ray? About 30 seconds, yeah. Yeah. And, and 30 seconds or less, uh, telemarketing, still a viable marketing strategy, Gene? You know, I think that there's a lot of customers really cynical about telemarketing, um, and, and largely because it's been shot at them without any, you know, value added to the customers. So if it's directed to a customer to meet a need, I still think there's a purpose. Oh, that's a that's a good answer, and you did it in less than thirty seconds. Very good. She because must have worked for Third ringing. Channel as well. Chief Customer Officer, getting uh, past lip service to passion to action, and it's Gene Bliss with us here on the Advertising Show. Stay with us. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. You know me. Would you believe I'm Bugs Bunny? I'm also the voice of many other cartoon characters. But in here, they don't care if I'm Elmer Fudd. So I carry an American Express card. Classic spot on The Advertising Show, Mel Blanc, American Express, has always had a great uh, list of... Uh, Movie stars and uh, notables for their advertising, and it's always done an incredible job as well, too. Have you seen the new Volkswagen ads, uh, by the way, Brad? Oh, yeah. Kind of cool. They brought the mm -hmm. rabbit back, and it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, Gene Bliss is our special guest here, and, uh, man, these segments go by so quickly. Uh, Gene uh, has a book. Uh, Customer Bliss is her company. Uh, her book is called Chief Customer Officer Getting Past Lip Service to Passionate Action. <laughs> and welcome back, Gene. Good to have you here. Well, thanks. So good to be with you guys. Yeah, an outstanding read. Ray and I both recommend the book uh, on Jossie Bass, uh, an imprint, of course, of Wiley. Uh, highly sought-after book. I'd encourage all of our listeners to check that out. And, you know, we were talking about CEOs uh, 
the first segment, and I want to go back to that just for a second. I understand that CEOs consistently rank customer loyalty and retention as their third biggest worry behind steady top-line growth and consistent execution of strategy. And I don't know if it's just me, Gene, or if it's obvious to others, but I would think that there's a relationship between growth and customer satisfaction. So why in the world is everyone so focused on growth, and why wouldn't there be a bit of a, a, a focus on customer satisfaction and let customer satisfaction drive growth? Well, you know, I think it gets down to CEOs are still mystified about what set of metrics they need to constantly start grilling their company about to really understand the, 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 what the customer scoreboard is. Um, and, and I think that's where it falls. They, the sales goals and top loan growth, they can look at it on a spreadsheet. They understand it. They can get it. They can talk about it. And the boards get it. We haven't done that yet with customer metrics. And that's something I really tried to crack the code on in the book. Mm-hmm. And and I think you did a good job at that. You know, taking a chapter out of your uh, background with Mazda, you know, it seems every year, Gene, that uh, one car company or another proclaims that this year will be a campaign that's all about uh, the customer, you know. And and yet uh, I I question whether the public really believes this. And is there one car company out there that you feel really does uh, focus on their customers? Well, you know, I think consistently the Toyota and Lexus brands have have done a good job. They actually followed that model that I talked about earlier where they defined the customer experience and then did the grueling work of really working through what all the moments of truth were and attached to each moment of truth and actually were able to prioritize which ones were critical to the customer for long-term loyalty and revenue growth, and then attached operational metrics and standards and performance criteria to those things. So they were they were really delivered on. And you mm. thought she was going to say Chrysler Jeep, didn't you, Brad? <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Right. Yeah, well, happened. actually, she used to date Lee Iacocca, but that was many years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> coming from with this stuff? Well, I don't know. Okay, yeah. yeah. You know, we've been talking about customer satisfaction from the corporate level. Let's let's go to the other side. Let's look okay. at it from the consumer standpoint. You know, are consumers willing to put uh, put up with poor customer service today because standards are, are have dropped and we inherently maybe just, you know, think in terms of uh, a willingness to put up with less because it's so uh, omnipresent today? You know, I think the inverse is actually hap- is actually occurring right now. There's this uh, term you've probably heard, which is customer rage, and it's actually on the rise. There's a website called Ripoff Report that's had over 8 billion visitors since they Good. began. And um, there's <laughs> yeah. lots of other things, cons- the, the uh, consumer bureaus, the fraud bureaus, they're all booming with lots of complaints going on right now. And um, customers feel more power than they have before. They have this megaphone called the Internet. And uh, I think it's very powerful, and companies, if they, they really want to understand why their customers are walking away, need to start heeding and listening to this information. Well, I'm going to challenge you on that only from a personal experience standpoint. I've had several uh, run-ins with poor customer service. One was with a, a rental car agency, and another was with, uh, hmm, I don't even remember what it was. But in both cases, because my time is, is and I'm not unusual in this regard, I'm, I'm so time uh, compressed and, and what I'm able to do when I, it's just not worth calling and complaining today. I find that, you know, others like myself just take your business elsewhere and you forget about and complaining. You never hear think, anything about it either. Exactly. exactly yeah. Well, and I th- think that's part of the problem is because there's this cynicism. To your point about the automotive makers earlier, customers have 
kept kept on hearing it oh declared over and over again that we're going to focus on the customer and if you we we're all programmed now to go into these companies with our dukes up and yeah. you're right a lot of people don't take the time to complain but if you want something to change as a consumer you have to vote with your feet and go in most corporations today have websites that say tell us what you think but a lot of people are so fatigued by being over surveyed that they're stopped telling them mm-hmm. well, uh, we have 30 seconds left here Jean uh, one parting final uh, piece of advice about customer satisfaction um, count your customers, create a scoreboard, know who's coming and going and the reasons why, and ask those questions as religiously and emphatically as you ask about quarterly sales goals. And by the book, uh, Chief Customer Officer, Getting Past Lip Service to Passionate Action. Gene, thank you for joining us uh, this weekend here on the Advertising Show. It's been fun. You're welcome. It's great to be with you. Thank you. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hot dogs, armor hot dogs. What kinds of kids eat armor hot dogs? Well, we had some hot dogs left over from the 4th of July show, so we thought we'd feature them here on The Advertising Show with Rachel Nasty. and Fred Forsyth. Yeah. Oh, they look, well, once you put them on the grill and burn them, nobody knows. Yeah. Know what I mean? They're, they're, they were green, now they're black, so what's the big deal? Hey, you know that jingle that uh, you were just playing for, uh, for well, who was it, uh, Arm and Hammer or whoever? Yeah. Uh, who, who would be the hot dog maker? Was it Arm and Hammer? Armor. Armor, armor, arm and hammer. Am, what am I saying? That's uh, yes. Thank you. It's yeah. probably in there though, mm-hmm. in the hot dog. Well, I hope so. But you know, if you kept it going there, the jingle it says "fat kids, skinny kids." You know, right now, if you said "fat kids," you'd be talking about what eighty percent of the children nowadays. Politically incorrect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Jean Bliss, uh, fun, uh, fun visitor. Uh, what is it? Uh, what was her website? What did we say it was? I've got. Uh, Jean, it's uh, hold on. Uh, CustomerBliss.com. That's what it is. Yeah. And yeah. obviously you find your book as well have so fun with gene.com <laughs> something like that bobby odis is our guest next week on the advertising show he's president and ceo so he wouldn't be a chief customer officer he may be one of those uh, ceos that she was talking about of the national association of advertisers so that'll be on uh, next week's show here in the advertising show association of national advertisers uh, whatever <laughs> same thing yeah, that's, that's just another organization. You know? That's true. Come on. Yeah. Um, let's see. What uh, this is? You wonder about pay per click type stuff. You know, in sure. other words, pay per click, click. And what they're saying, pay per click uh, fraud. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Google and Yahoo uh, among the two. Notwithstanding, a report from a research consultancy Click Forensics suggests that click fraud is a bigger problem than ever. The report, based on a survey of 1,300 advertisers, claims that 14.1% of advertising clicks are fraudulent. Mm-hmm. How about that? Well, when I see Can your you ads, on? <laughs> when I see your ads, uh, I always click onto them several times, so it runs up your bill, Ray. Thanks, I really appreciate That's that. Okay, That's okay. You're nice. welcome. <laughs> and speaking of uh, speaking of clicks and webs, basically, yeah. uh, despite a, a familiar litany of woes ranging from high paper prices to loss of classified advertising, newspapers are finding a silver lining. Well, there's mm. got to be somewhere. In the otherwise cloudy financial reports, a strong uptick on the online advertising sales. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of great uh, papers doing that. The Houston uh, Chronicle is one that's doing a pretty good job of it as well. So, Well, that's the only place they're going to find a, you know, their, their revenue is way up online, most newspapers, while sure. they continue to struggle through their 
traditional channel, but, uh, you know, who knows? We'll see what happens, huh? Here at the Advertising Show, we don't charge you to click, or we don't pay you to click either. So uh, no, what, we, what we do is we provide a, a bunch of great stuff, uh, including, uh, for instance, today's interview, obviously, as a podcast, RSS feeds, and uh, not only today's, but uh, almost, is it up to every one now that we have, or is it Clinton no, we're, we're We're almost, we're going into 01 right now, Ray, so we're, we're really close. We've very, got over 200, yeah. And it's all made possible uh, by a company called Shipple.com. And I'll spell it, okay? It's S. Spell it along with me, right? S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. And the first guy's name's Ed, which is short for... Edward. But I don't think anybody calls him. Maybe it's Eddie. That's true. But it's Ed Shipple and his gang do a great job. The site is powered by a thing called Tendency. And you've got to find out more about that by going to Shipple.com. We hope you do. Yeah. What you got there? Well, I was going to mention that uh, oh. ANA, you mentioned our, our guest next week of the uh, um, Association of National Advertisers. They released just this past Monday a, a substantial uh, a report uh, suggesting a substantial improvement in measuring ROI, but of difficulty in turning metrics into action. According to the report, this is really weird, I think. It found that 32% of marketers are, stri- are satisfied with their ability to measure and act on ROI to improve business results, up from 19% on, uh, during 05. However, 20% of marketers said that they can measure ROI but cannot act on it. Hmm. <laughs> I don't okay. get that. If you can measure on it, I mean, you can measure it. Why can't you act on it? Are you just frozen in fear or what? That makes no sense whatsoever. We'll ask Bob Leo Deese next week. Next week, yeah. Right now, what does it take to be a success? Jeffrey Gittimer has that for us on the advertising show. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. What do you think it takes to become a success? That's a question. The secret of good, smart questions are those that make the prospect stop and think, consider new information, an answer in terms of you. If you ask people questions that you could have found the answer to out by some means as simple as looking up the information on their website, how intelligent or hardworking does that make you look? Let me give you the two-word answer. Not very. You do have the luxury of asking a weak question about their stuff if you preface it by saying, you know, I was looking at your website last night. I got a couple of ideas I'd like to talk to you about, but there's a few things I'd like to understand a little bit better about the way you serve your customer. Now you can ask anything and look like a genius. If you walk in with an idea that you got from reading their annual report, a trade magazine, reading their web information, you're going to earn the respect of the person making the buying decision. You'll also be viewed as credible. Respect and credibility lead to trust, and trust leads to the sale. Think about that the next time that you're formulating your questions. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Boy, he just never holds back, does he, Brad? No, he doesn't. Advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Bob Leo Dees is our special guest next week, President, CEO of the Association of National Advertisers. We look forward to that show, and we hope you'll be able to uh, join us for, for all segments with Bob and, of course, the whole show here. It's right here at theadvertisingshow.com.
Let's, uh, let's, uh, well, do you have anything? Let's start the music. Let's play the song. Yeah. Uh, anyway, do you have anything to add? Well, I was just going to mention, uh, you know, David Lee Roth that took over uh, Stern's place. Well, now they've got Opie and Anthony there. Uh, ratings are up 60% uh, at WFNY in New York. So, obviously, talent can make a difference, huh? And Opie and Anthony is having a very good year. Yes. In the getting business. Blown off a few years ago. Exactly. But blown off blown by, out. what was it, CBS Infinity? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, welcome <laughs> Don't back. Don't say anything stupid, okay? <laughs> You've learned from this time. Uh, again, go to theadvertisingshow.com, visit throughout the week, and listen to some of the podcasts and the RSS feeds. There's a lot of stuff up there at theadvertisingshow.com. We hope you visit it often. And tell your friends, the advertising show being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is a big radio midgets production.